Welcome to the Momnificent Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them even in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Karin Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Momnificent Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. Jessica Begley is a mother, educator, and snack queen. She's also a self-care advocate. Her motto is, the communities we serve deserve our best, and we can only give our best when we take care of ourselves. I'll admit, over the years, I haven't done such a great job checking in on myself and monitoring my level of stress and making it a priority to do something simple for my own self-care. This is a newer area for me to work on, and I want to be the best. I want to be the best at school, at home, and in my community. And so I invited Jessica today to help me become more aware of how I can practice self-care and not be afraid to be bold and unapologetic about it. Jessica, welcome to Momnificent. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I just love the title of your podcast, by the way, because it just makes me smile. Because <laughs> moms are magnificent. Yes, um, absolutely. So, so just start us out, like what got you on this journey into this work? Sure. So I um, have been in education for over 20 years now. Um, it's kind of scary to even say that, but in, in a variety of different roles. And I started out as a classroom teacher in Philadelphia and in middle school, by the way. So, you know, most people think you're, you've got to be crazy for wanting to teach middle school. And I say, yeah, I'm probably a little crazy. <laughs> but in that space, um, you know, in, in schools, whether it's middle school, elementary, high school, it's high touch, right? High stressful environments, um, high impact environments. And even when I uh, transitioned out of the classroom and I went to what I would call my second love, which is training and, and performance improvement, um, even in that space, I realized how much stress I was taking on just by presenting certain topics like child abuse and neglect trauma-informed practices, but it was within that space of training and development that I was um, training in trauma-informed practices, and I had the pleasure of uh, being a part of the Compassionate Schools team in Delaware, where I realized that the part of the trauma-informed movement that really resonated with me was the self-care piece. Um, and that was mainly because of my experience in education and being in high high stress environments and high impact environments and realizing that the helpers were not being cared for. You know, we weren't caring for ourselves and us, as a system in general for education, the education system wasn't really taking care of us. And so um, I really thought this is the piece of the trauma-informed movement that I really wanted to focus on. And I had been in a space um, because of some, I like to call them ugly educator moments. I've had them. I'm going to take my halo off today <laughs> and say that I've had um, some experiences where I was right at the brink of burnout and I wasn't my best self. I wasn't showing up as, as my best self. And because of that, 
I was impacting the students and the families that I was serving in a way that I did not recognize as me, as being my, my authentic self. I was showing up and I'm thinking, who is this person that's acting this way or responding in this way? Um, and so because of that, early on in my career in education, I would say probably about three to four years in, I realized that I needed to do something more to really care for myself. I couldn't, I could no longer wait for someone to give me permission to care for myself. I had to take it upon myself to do what, what, whatever I found necessary at that time, whether it being, you know, changing my diet, um, exercising, meditation. I've tried pretty much the gamut of self-care routines. And um, throughout that time, I've had to change it to adjust to the type of environments that I'm in on a daily basis. But within that first you know, three years of being in education, I realized something had to change if this work was that important to me and I wanted it to be sustainable, which I did. And so I said, hey, you've got to do something different, right? What's the, the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, right? And so I was in that, that place of insanity and I said, no more. <laughs> so walk us through for a couple minutes here. What, how does stress impact the brain and then specifically the body? Well, the, I, I like to say it just in simple terms, the brain and the body work together. They're friends. And when stress comes into play, the brain and the body, they start to, um, it starts to impact their ability to communicate to one another, right? Um, so when we're thinking about uh, the impacts of stress on the body, we start to get physically tired. We may go into that uh, fight or flight mode that is so often talked about. And a lot, of, a lot of people are familiar with that now, especially due to the pandemic. <laughs> I think we've all been a little in a little bit of fight or flight during this time. Um, and when our bodies are in that mode, we don't have this, the same access that we normally have in terms of, of like higher level thinking in our we're in our survival brain is what, what, they, what it's called, right? So when we're in our survival brain, we're thinking about the immediate moment, like what we can do in that moment to be safe or to, um, to either to get out of the situation. And so a lot of times we start to do things that involve using our behavior and being reactive rather, rather than being responsive and actually being able to think and process the moment and process what's actually going on. So that fear response, that stress response triggers a lot of different things. Um, it triggers our immune system and our immune system is, is saying, hey, what's actually going on here? Have you ever noticed that if you're, you've been stressed, particularly over a number of days and all of a sudden you feel like you're coming down with a cold or having, you know, or just feeling really run down and tired It's because your immune system is being triggered by the stress that you're under. Um, we, we see it a lot of times with uh, children where they just start to act out because they physically can't process that stress. So you, you think that your, uh, your two and three-year-old, should they have tant tantrums? Is that, that normal? Yes, they have tantrums, but a lot of times those tantrums 
or being triggered by some type of stress response. Maybe they're hungry, maybe they're tired. Maybe, you know, something else has happened to them that they can't process emotionally and it's showing up in their behavior. So um, that stress response, even though we all have it, it shows up in different ways in all of us. Um, But I think one of the most important things that we can do is be aware of what's triggering that stress response. And that's the thing that most people are not aware of because we haven't Again, as we were talking about earlier, we haven't been become accustomed to paying attention to our emotions and using our emotions as signals to tell us when something is off. Mm-hmm. Because especially, I mean, I mean, I'll just speak for myself. Growing up, I remember if I was sad or upset or or complaining or crying or something like that, we and and I had amazing, incredible parents and and support around me but we were told like you know pull it together you know kind of like knock it off like get get in control you know so so you kind of like push it down and you never really had that opportunity to like really talk about or really okay look at that and what is that telling me so um, I think that's another thing that of why I feel like I'm on like a long road of getting to like that self-care part and and really just um, we'll talk in a minute of, of that phrase that I love that you say, um, check in early and check in often and why that, that seems so novel to me. But before we get there, why do you say it, knowing is not enough? We have to take action. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it goes back to that, that whole idea of, you know, we have a lot of information available to us, but we can't change anything if we don't actually act on the information. So before the pandemic, you know, as educators, we were definitely immersed in the trauma-informed movement. Um, But I think as a society now, because of the pandemic, we've had this collective trauma experience. And, you know, some people are, you know, doing well and still thriving in this pandemic. And then we have the other end of the spectrum where people are really suffering, not only, you know, financially or physically, but mentally suffering from this. And so there's been a lot more conversation now around trauma and how it can impact us or stress in general and how it impacts us. And so we, are, we have access to all of this information about stress and what it does to the body, how it shows up, um, how it can impact your health in particular. There's been a lot of of research around that. But if we don't act on all of this research and the information that that has come about in recent years, nothing's going to change. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the only person who feels well. (laughs) I want the people that I work with to be well as, you know, as well. It's just, it doesn't, it it doesn't make sense. You know, it's a great thing for us to have that self-care practice for ourselves, but we can't think about ourselves only in this because, you know, one person showing up happy and, you know, excited about work and excited about life does not make for a good business. You know, yeah, I mean, and, and you've probably had that experience in, um, you know, just going into businesses and experience, having customer service experiences where you have one worker who is just, you know, so happy to see you and ready to serve you. And then you have another worker who could care less that you're there. They actually, they don't want you to be there, right? right. And so, so when we think about that, 
I, I look at those situations like one person is well and showing and ready to show up for work and the other person, maybe they have had some type of stressful experiences on them that are causing them to react or respond to you in this way, um, you know, and not being ready to serve. And so when you think about you know, going to Chick-fil-A or, you know, another store, Macy's, and having a customer service experience. And if it's a bad one, you might not necessarily think too much about it. But when it's at school and it's in a high impact environment and it really matters for you to show up, you know, as your whole self for a student or a family, then it, then it changes, right? You want the people in your environment to be well and to be cared for and so that they have something to give to others. And it's not just enough for it to just be you. We need a, a, a team of people who are ready to serve in that way. And so because of that, I, that's why I say we have all this information, but if we don't act on it, if we're not actually using it, just one thing at a time, not you know, forcing ourselves to take on every single self-care tip that comes our way, but at least acknowledging that one, we need to take care of ourselves and two, okay, saying, what am I willing to do? Of all the things that I've been presented with, what am I willing to take away and actually do? Which is what we're hoping that your audience will do even today. Is there one thing, you know, that they hear today that they're willing to take away and start to implement right away? in their lives. Well, I like how, um, and for those of, who are listening, I met Jessica because she came to the Red Clay Administrators Retreat this summer and she gave us an hour presentation and I was so just beautifully energized and inspired, which is why I invited her to come on this podcast. And, and I love how you said, like, just think of things you could do, like, in the next few moments, if you only had a few moments, or think, okay, when I do have an hour or two in the next day or two, what, what could I do and how can I plan for that? And so I think that that breaks it up because maybe we just, or I'll speak for myself, I, I think of only a couple things that I would be doing, and maybe it may or may not be something I can do in that moment or in the next week. So I love how you kind of broke that up. It just made me think of it differently. Yeah, you know, we, we definitely, when we think of self-care, a lot of time we go, we, our, our mind goes to Instagram, <laughs> or at least sometimes mine does, you know, where you see these self-care spreads and people going to spas and, you know, they're getting massages and all those things that take a lot of time. But I would tell you this, the three most impactful self-care tools that I have don't require a lot of time or money. The first one is really just the breath because we all have access to the breath. It's like the most accessible self-care tool and we use it the least, right? We're constantly ripping and running and not taking a moment to really just breathe deeply. The second one for me is gratitude. You can't see my shirt. I'll show you my shirt. It just, it's, my shirt is a reminder to be grateful. <laughs> And for those of you who can't see your shirt, it has a beautiful pink, which is beautiful color, grateful in large letters on her t-shirt. Yeah. So it's, and it's just a reminder for me to be grateful for everything that I have, 
be grateful for all of my experiences, whether whether they were con- they were constructive or destructive <laughs> experiences, you know, right. right? Because we we learn something from all of them. And the third self tool I have is elimination. I just go through my life and I start crossing out things that don't matter anymore because throughout your life, you're going to have things that matter to you in the moment. Okay. Um, But it doesn't have to be something that you carry with you through your life. You can put that red line, you know, especially as educators, we have a red pen somewhere, just cross things out, you know, that don't necessarily bring you joy anymore that don't really matter to you that much, but you're keeping them in your space and it's really just sucking up your energy. And so those are three tools that I use on a regular basis. They don't cost anything. They don't take a lot of time. It takes me, you know, less than five minutes to sit down and write down what I'm grateful for. And if I don't have time to write it down, I just think about it or I wear my shirt to remind me, (laughs) you know? so. We have to get out of this mindset of thinking that taking care of ourselves is going to require a lot of time and or money to do so. We, we, we don't need to be Instagram self-care people. We need to just do what works for us in the moment and do whatever it is that brings you joy. Mm, that's good. I love that. Great point. Uh, So what do you mean when you say check in early and often? Yes, this is this is my reminder to myself, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I think I borrowed it now. Now I've I've somehow made it part of me, too. (laughs) Absolutely. That's a that's a wonderful thing. It just helps me to remember that it's the awareness of my situation that is going to help me to change it. You know, when we're we're not aware that something is a little bit off and we could, because we're not checking in, we allow it to escalate and we allow it to escalate to a point where we end up having a moment where we, we don't recognize ourselves. I, you know, as an educator, I call it my ugly educator moment where I do something where I'm thinking, what was I thinking at that moment? Right. Yeah. And so. That whole, you know, in, in our whole um, trauma-informed um, movement, you know, we, we say what's not what's wrong with you, but what happened to you. So how do you know what happened to you if you never take the time to check in? <laughs> so that's why I say check in early and as often as you possibly can. And when I say check in early, I mean from the time that you get up in, you know, in the morning, when, when your feet first hit the floor, how are you feeling? Ask yourself, you know, how do I feel today? Do I feel energized? Do I feel, you know, still a little bit tired? Am I feeling sluggish? Did I want to hit the snooze button several times? Did I hit the snooze button several times before getting up? You know, and because before we know it, our mind just starts to wander and process and will bring in things from the day before or year before for some of us, right? If we don't take control of it. So our checking in is actually helping us to take control of our physical and our emotional state right away. And then you just make time to do it as often as possible. We have all of this technology available to us. 
most of us, our phones are glued to our hands, right? We can't get them out of our hands. So let's use the technology that we have, set a timer on your phone so that when it goes off, you know to just check in with yourself or use some of these great apps that are available, the Calm app, Headspace, um, Insight Timer. All of these are great tools that will actually send you a notification of when to breathe and when to check in with yourself. Um, because if, we're, if, we, if we don't do it often, we just leave space open for us to get dysregulated to a point that it's hard to come back from. And that's, that's, we don't want that because when we get to that point, chances are someone else is going to be involved and it's going to involve us causing harm, you know, and I'm not necessarily saying physical harm, but doing things and showing up in a way that could cause harm to someone else. And I love how you touched on the self-regulation because I know at our retreat, you had mentioned that quote from Bruce Perry children are borrowing regulation from us as adults. Can you speak yes. to that a little bit more to help us understand what he means by that and what we can do to be more aware of with our kids in this area? Yeah, so just really in plain terms, when you think about it, children are looking, for, uh, looking to us as the example of how to respond to situations. They don't necessarily, especially young children, have the tools yet or have built the capacity to self-regulate. So they're constantly checking in with their caregiver, um, whoever that is at the moment, to see how to respond to situations. And every mom can relate to this. Your child is learning how to walk and they start to you know, teeter and they're getting good at it. And then all of a sudden they fall down and then they look right at you. <laughs> And if you, as the caregiver, act like, you know, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world that my child fell down, the child then does what? They start screaming. <laughs> they start screaming, right? And because they are looking to see how we're responding to the situation to determine how they should respond as well. So if we're able to remain calm and just say, Oh, oh, uh oh, you know, come on, get up, you know, let's do it again. Let me help you. Then they realize that it's not, you know, a, such a stressful situation that they won't get over or they won't overcome. And so that's kind of like a, a, a simplification of it. But it's really just the simple fact that as long as we stay regulated, we're going to be the example for our child to not only stay regulated, but understand that if they get dysregulated, which they will, they can easily come back for, from it, or they can, they can at least practice coming back from it, and it's not the end of the world. They don't have to have this um, uh, prolonged temper tantrum or breakdown, right? It doesn't yeah. have to last. They can keep coming back from it every single time. I think that's so good and it's such a good reminder. I mean, whether that might be the new first time we're hearing this or you're saying it and it makes sense and that's just such a great reminder to just stop us and even today like the next thing time your kid does something they they are mirrors they are mirrors of us. 
as someone else put it, right. like that that just like sticks out in my mind. Like, okay, oh, that that helps me understand a situation and and what I'm going through or how I'm choosing to display or portray. And it's okay to to be honest with them. Like sometimes we feel like we can't say say it to them. But I remember as a teacher when I sometimes would lose my voice and I'd be like, kids, I can't talk. I need to be really quiet today. Like they were the best ever. Some days I was like, should I make that up? Like they just did so well. But that's that example. Like they they are in tune with where and what where, where you're at. Um, and I, I really like this quote that you had shared. If fear is just excitement with that. Well, you just said fear is just excitement without breath. And if that's true, how do you see us differently seeing that or handling it? Yeah, so this this is one of my favorite quotes, and it's been attributed to a lot of people. I think um, Robert Heller is one of the people it's been attributed to. So I don't know who gets full credit for this, but I love it. And it's something that I keep on my desk. It just reminds me that I am able to reframe any situation that that I'm afraid of, right? That brings that's that so good. That Wait, that's so good. Up. Say that again. That was so powerful. I, oh, sure. I, I am able to reframe any situation that comes up for me, right? That I'm afraid of or or anything that um, brings up my my stress response. And the interesting thing is good things bring up the stress response too, not just the not just trauma, right? Not just things that we associate with trauma. But when you're doing something new, um, you know, and I, I like to use the example for fear is excitement without the breath with um, the example of a roller coaster, like going on a roller coaster where, you know, at Great Adventure or any of those parks where they take the pictures of you and your friends on the coaster and one person is screaming and the other person, <laughs> the other person is having the time of their lives, right? Because one person has been able to reframe this situation for themselves. Am I going to go into this um, and I'm, am I going to let fear control the situation or am I going to relax into it and just enjoy the situation and, and, and see it as something excitement? So that quote just reminds me to breathe because <laughs> Because you know, when you when you're in that excited moment, it can turn into fear if you hold your breath, right? If you're constantly just holding your breath, waiting for the worst to happen. That's that's the fear side of it. But if you are breathing and you're relaxing, and most of the time when you're excited, you start smiling, and smiling just helps you to breathe even, even deeper, that just becomes a different, it's the same experience, different. You know, same, same, uh, same situation, but a different experience that you're having when you decide to just breathe, breathe. So I'll share this with you. Uh, one of my anchors for this particular quote, it, it comes from the Disney movie, The Lion King. So whenever I, I get scared or something that, you know, there's something that I have to do that, you know, feels uncomfortable to me, I like to say Mufasa. And it just helps me to like release because in the Lion King, if you remember the, um, the hyenas, they would say, they have that scene where they say, Mufasa, and they say, ooh, it's so scary. It's like, say it again, say it again, <laughs> Mufasa. And so it's like just the idea of saying something is that scary, almost just reframes it for you. And it's like, 
this this word, all it is is a word, his name, Mufasa. Right. Like, why are we so scared of him? You know? <laughs> and so that alone, when I when I feel like there's something that I need to do that makes me feel uncomfortable. Or, or even sometimes when I hear things that make me feel uncomfortable, I will just say it either out loud or to myself, if I'm around other people, I will just say, mm, Mufasa, you know? And it just reminds me that, hey, just take a, take a breath and allow yourself, your, allow your brain and your body to process this. It's going to be okay. Mm, that's awesome. So you, we talked about, you know, when we're helping others and we're going to check in often with ourselves. part of that is also taking time to fill your cup in a sense, right? Because Absolutely. when we're full, then we are at our best to give. And what, what words do you have for moms who are sitting here listening like, I'm working, I'm taking care of the kids, I got the house, I got the dog, I got how in the world, like, yeah, I get that, you know, we feel, we f might feel empty, but what, what word of encouragement can you leave our listeners with today that will help us just take that to fill whatever it is we need filled? Sure. So my suggestion is to release yourself from the either or mentality. And by that, I mean, a lot of times we think either it's I'm going to take care of myself or I'm going to be a great mom and do everything that my kids need me to do. It's not either or, it's and. Use that word as much as you possibly can. Yes, you can take care of yourself and you can still be the super mom that you want to be and taking care of your house, the kids, the family, the dog, right? <laughs> you can do both. The way that you do both is just to incorporate your self-care into everything that you do. So a lot of times we think that um, <clears throat> we have to do things, excuse me, <clears throat> separate from our kids. You know, I can't, I can't possibly take 10 minutes to meditate because, you know, I have the kids running around the house or whatever. What I always suggest to people is to bring others into your self-care, particularly your kids, bring them into your self-care. One of the things that I realized um, with my daughter is that I just needed to start doing my self-care around her, even though she says, mom, what are you doing? You look weird or you're, and I just, it just doesn't matter. I'm unapologetic about my self-care. But when I started to do that, I found the time to do it in the space and I started to bring her into it. An interesting thing happened with my meditation practice when I started doing it with my daughter still in my space is that she realized the mom who is not meditating is probably going to say no to whatever request I have. But the mom who meditates will say yes. So she would give me the space to meditate just so she could ask me for whatever it is that she wanted. Because again, this is that regulation, that co-regulation that we're talking about. Kids are watching everything that you do. And, and, they're, and not only are they watching what you do, but they're watching how you respond to them. And so my daughter recognized early on that I was a completely different mom. I was the yes mom. 
once mm-hmm. I have my chance to meditate and to process. And since we're all on social media and Instagram, there's so many great examples of this. If you see the parents on um, social media working out and they have these toddlers, and at first the toddlers, when the parent is trying to work out, they're trying to like climb on top of you and all of that. But eventually the mom who's doing yoga next to her toddler, their toddler will start doing downward facing dog or child pose. They do what (laughs) we do. So if we're taking care of ourselves, our kids are also going to start taking care of themselves. And so we don't want to shy away from this. We don't want to get into that mentality of either or. It's and. We can take care of ourselves and take care of our families. And actually, the more we take care of ourselves, the more we build our capacity to be there for our families. Be those, be that super mom that we all want to be inside, right? We have that in our, our heads and our hearts. But if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't show up like that, like a super mom, and it be sustainable. Right. And then we'll actually be happy with our responses instead of thinking to ourselves, who was that? That was me. I just said that. That's not me, but that is what I did or what I said. And then there's, yes. yeah. So do you remember that brief? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yes. Right. I know because <laughs> I was going to, I was going to ask you later on, like, what do you, what are the effects um, you're seeing when people don't practice self-care? Mm-hmm. And I guess that's just the evidence of it. You're just, you are someone who you're like, wait, that's not really me. And that's not my best self. Yeah, we, we see that we see the guilt come up. We see um, resentment even, you know, the people that you love and you love caring for, do you really want to start resenting them simply because you haven't created the space where you can take care of yourself? And it sounds it sounds a little bit like it's a Mufasa, really. It's scary to even think about, right? That yeah. you can get resentful of the people that you love simply because you haven't given yourself permission to take care of yourself. And I can I can attest to this because I've been in that position before yeah. where, you know, I've just been giving, giving, giving. And, you know, that resentment really just, it's really just like you starting to blame the people who you're caring for. That's all it is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we can't blame them because we all have that responsibility for ourselves to, to right. take care of ourselves. It's our choice. And we live our life and the choices we make define our life today, tomorrow, what we make of it. It is, it is our choice. Do you remember that brief moment you led us through at our admin retreat with our hands on our heart and a thought? And I I did it at our faculty meeting last week and I, I didn't get any feedback, but there was a lot going on that day anyway, but I was so excited that I just infused it into there because it was just a few beautiful minutes of just um, that positive thought to ourselves. Can, can you lead us through that? Absolutely. And I'm glad that you were able to use it with your at your faculty meeting. So I'll I'll just I'll just frame this by saying this self-care practice is something that I started recently and I realized um, that it's it's impacting me in ways that I never thought it would. And really what it involves is channeling other people. And I just have this belief that we're all connected. And so, you know, I feel like I'm going to, I can tap into the universal mind and get whatever it is I'm missing at that moment. So that's why I use this practice. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, um, so all it involves is, you know, just sit in a comfortable position and place both of your hands over your heart and just recognize if your heart is still beating, just smile and you can close your eyes if you feel comfortable to do so. If not, just find a nice place to something to gaze at in the room. And as you have your eyes closed or your gaze fixed, just think of a friend, a loved one, or a celebrity. And take a deep breath in. And release it slowly. Take another deep breath in. And release it slowly. And as you take your last deep breath in, think about what you want or need to hear most in this moment. And hear your friend, loved one, or celebrity telling you that one thing. Take another deep breath in and release it slowly and open your eyes. And I, I love to do that. I love to channel certain people, you know, for whatever moment that I'm in. Um, I love to channel Rihanna. I think I shared that with the group that day because, you know, I Rihanna is always saying to me, Jess, shine bright like a diamond, you know? <laughs> and it, it helps me in that moment where you may not be feeling your absolute best, but you can tap into someone else and their energy and get that for yourself in that moment that you need it. So I, that's why I encourage people to do that type of activity. And you don't necessarily need to um, you know, have a moment where you're taking a deep breath to channel someone else. Sometimes you just can, you know, you don't, you're doing it every single day while we're on Instagram, right? You're looking at somebody else's life. <laughs> And you're thinking, I want that life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, we are. So, you, so you can use those moments to kind of just take from other people or borrow from other people mm. um, and their energy for when you need to boost yourself up. And that's just another level of self-care. Such a great process and so simple to do. And, and, and literally, we could do that anytime on our own. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It takes moments. Yeah. So thanks for teaching us that. And lastly, before you go, Jessica, just leave our audience with one thing today. We said a lot in this last 30 minutes, but what's just one thing you want to leave our listeners with today? I think I just want everyone to extend the grace and space that we give to others to yourself. Give yourself that grace and space to say, you know what? Everything doesn't have to be perfect. I don't have to be Instagram perfect in order to do my self-care. Do what works for you. Once, if something is no longer working, feel free to change it. You don't owe anyone an explanation and you certainly don't need an, anybody's permission to take care of yourself. So be unapologetic and bold about it. Share it with everyone, especially the people who are you know, in your charge, right? Your kids, because they're going to help you 
Um, you're going to teach them that co-regulation and they're going to help you stay regulated in your life as, as you know, busy moms. We, we need our kids to learn that self-regulation because then it takes the pressure off of us to, you know, be in charge all the time. Yeah. So, so it just, it's just extend yourself that grace and space that we give everyone else. I love that. That was absolutely beautiful. And Jessica, again, thank you for inspiring me on this journey of, of my journey of self-care and um, each person who's going to listen to this, this episode, just thank you for giving of yourself for us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. <laughs> well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Momnificent Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would subscribe and rate if you really liked it. I know wherever you're listening right now, it might not be the best time to leave a comment, but feel free to leave a question, a review, or a comment at any time. And until next time, remember, don't worry, be happy.